would you stand with us and sing this chorus? Rejoice.
Good morning and welcome to 1C. Would you please rise for our first song?
traveled from afar Hoping to find the child from heaven Falling on the knees And bow before the
Break Church, and feel free to have a seat. Hope you are well today. Indeed, we are here to bring an offering. But before that, we have to do an announcement, as you know. So let me say welcome to guests. If you're here, this is your first time, your third time, your seventh time, but you're fairly new to 1C, we are delighted that you're here. So thank you very much for coming. Um, if you, on your way out, if you want to pick up something um, at the uh, Welcome Center out here in the family gathering space, small gift for you. And if you think of it, could you text uh, 1C guest to 94,000? That just kind of lets us know you were with us today, begins to build just kind of a connection with you. We would ap appreciate that so very much. Prayer request. Phone those in right away. The prayers of the people has kind of moved up in the service a little bit. So if you're, uh, if you're out there on live stream and you think you're going to wait, why text those prayers in sooner rather than later today, 402-242-5051. Pick up your communion elements. Maybe you've got them. Uh, when you came in, they're at that open window over there in the community gathering space. If you did not, uh, feel free to go out and pick up one of these little guys, okay? This is when we get to communion. Poinsettia sales, still happening. Um, you can purchase one of those in uh, memory of a loved one, and then they will we'll put them up in here. They'll be a part of decorating for the Christmas season. Advent by Candlelight is going to happen uh, Sunday, December the 6th at 3 p.m. That's next week. Registration by calling the church office. Um, call uh, 1cchurch.com on registration. You can get it accomplished either way. And lastly, the interactive Advent devotions. On Wednesdays, as part of expiration, from 6 until 6.15, there'll be uh, a live stream opportunity for a short devotion. And then you can do devotions at your home. And part of contributing to that are those white bags that you'll see out there in the family gathering area. Pick one of those up. There's some hot cocoa in there, a couple of other things, and they will kind of help with doing the devotions at your home. I think that's it for announcements. Hey, Ed, come check out my North Star Christmas tree topper at Levitate's. Is this a gummy bear? Yeah, we lost baby Jesus. Hey, check out these LED lights. I have them synced up to a 76-hour all-Christmas music playlist. There's my little Christmas DJ. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you waiting till Christmas is over so you can go buy a new nativity set when they're on sale? Huh? No, no, oh no. We lost baby Jesus like 11 years ago. Is, is baby Jesus always a gummy bear? Oh, no, oh, we trade it out every year. Yeah, like uh, last year it was a uh, tiny troll doll. <laughs> and the year before that we used a uh, dog treat. They were the perfect size, but <laughs> Dalton kept taking them and eating them. You, you mean your dog kept stealing them? No, my son Dalton, he loves those dog treats. Especially the peanut butter ones. There was one year that we used a, uh, a doll head. That was creepy. We, we made a modeling clay, baby Jesus. So the dog took that one, too. Um, one year, we got desperate and used an ice cube. 
That was a mess and a mess. Yeah, just seems like everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never lasts. Say that again. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to last. And? And what? Say it again, slowly. Why? Just do it, dulcimo, slowly, do it. I don't understand what's happening. Just do it. This is getting weird. Say it! Fine! But when I'm done saying this, you're gonna march in here and you're gonna watch my star levitate. Fine, 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 do it. Fine. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to, oh, yep, there it is. Okay, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We're getting ready for Christmas, and I hope you are too. I don't know what your family Christmas traditions look like, but chances are they're a little different this year. Hopefully, you won't have a gummy bear Jesus, but one thing's for certain, things are not normal this year. Take our exploration, for example. On Wednesday evenings, we will not be meeting in person anymore from now through Christmas. But that doesn't mean we can't have fun faith activities at home. Wednesday evenings from 6.15 to 6.30, we'll all join together for live stream Advent worship. And then following the worship, you can take out your interactive Advent devotion kit to have fun faith activities at home. You can pick up your kit today in the family gathering space. There's even hot cocoa mix for your first night. One thing's for certain, even though there's a lot of things going on in our world today and in this season, nothing can replace or remove Jesus from Christmas. Let us go to God in prayer. Almighty Father, we come before you with humble hearts as we bring our prayers to you this morning from our 1C family. Prayers for Tracy Stromberg and a prayer for their family to, rent following, to rest following their house fire. Prayers for Greg as he worries to recover at home. Prayers for Pastor Jim and Kristen. For my dad who had to get tested for COVID. Please pray for my son to get well. Father, prayer again for the Stromberg family. Help them all look to our Lord Jesus for strength and healing. Prayers for my husband and myself and our daughter and her boyfriend with COVID. Prayers for the congestion in my lungs to clean up. Thanksgiving for my daughter, Hannah, she passed her occupational therapy board. Guide her to safety on her next journey to Idaho to begin her career. Prayers that you keep working in my family and in our finances. Healing for my husband and I, our daughter and her boyfriend with COVID. Thank you, God, for your healing power for my mom's bones. We ask for continued healing for those recovering from COVID. Give comfort and peace to those who have lost loved ones during this holiday time. For Donna Cruz family, 
and for Donna, who is with the Lord and Savior, she will be dearly missed by family and friends. Please be with the family of Wanda, who passed away yesterday. For our son, who has been influenced to question the faith in Christ he was brought in, he has wandered intellectually and spiritually away from the Lord. Gracious God, we thank you for hearing our prayers this morning. We give you all glory, honor, and praise through your Son, Jesus. Amen.
What a great line. Come and see what God has done. We are here this morning to serve and to glorify Jesus, to elevate him, to seek his kingdom, to seek his purposes, to know that when he says to you and I, seek me, ask of me, serve me, I will flood you with all the power that you need that comes from my spirit. And so we're going to pause to remember his authority, remember his sovereignty and his power. It's all that we have, including our building, this beautiful facility, including all of the abilities of the people that are here. All of these belong to God and are in service to his kingdom. When we prayerfully acknowledge our ongoing and desperate need for him, we can annihilate this idol of self and, and through a posture of surrender. We can position ourselves to receive the supernatural strength that comes from the Spirit. As we contemplate who God is and all he's done and all he's promised, our hearts can become more firmly cemented in him. We begin to see him more clearly. We begin to see him as he really is. He's the God who loves us. He's the God who pursues us. He's the God who rescues us and redeems us. And the moment that we bow our head to God, we can trust that he is in our midst, that, that we're asking him to make, make ourselves alert to him in our lives. Help us experience him in, our, in his fullness and to soften our hearts toward him so that they can be receptive to all that he has for us. Clear night many, many years ago Two weary strangers moving slow We're looking for a place to stay But there was no place Though they traveled many miles So Mary being great with child Lay down on the sweet smelling hay and then a bright light fell from heaven A special star shone bright And three wise men from a foreign land Come to worship him that night and In the clear night you could hear the angels sing Praises to the newborn king Jesus is the light of the world
cause the blind to see. And the best part is even though he's gone away, well, he'll be coming back someday. Jesus is the light of the world. And the best part is even though he's gone away, well, he'll be coming back someday. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Well, Jesus is the light of the Let's do a time of confession and forgiveness. So back there in the booth, if you've got the confession, thank you very much. Let's just take a moment to confess our sins before Jesus. Heavenly Father, your desire is to bless your children here on this earth and for eternity. In your word, you show me how by your grace and mercy I have received one blessing on top of another. Lord, I confess that my sin has caused me to miss out on your blessings. My sin of selfishness, laziness, and rebellion has separated me from you. By the power of your Holy Spirit, show me my sin and remind me of your love that you have expressed through the sending of your Son, Jesus. May the good news of his suffering, death, and resurrection empower me to live as your child. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And it is a great delight to announce to you that that confession that we just said, our sins are forgiven. When we bring our sins to God and we acknowledge them, we take ownership of them, they are forgiven. He has removed them as far as the east is from the west. And that is incredibly good news. So communion. Um, if you came in and you got the little cup, here at 1C, we practice uh, communion, believing that this is the true body and blood of Jesus. And it's the tradition of the church to, before we take the elements, is to speak the words of institution. And they go like this. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said to them, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So if you would, take the side with the wafer in it. Let's open that up. And be reminded that this is the broken body of Jesus given for you and I. And then if you open up the side with the juice or the wine, we receive this as the blood which was shed for the remission of sins. And now let's pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For in thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh my gosh. Wow. These reality TV shows, they're just going crazy. Are you serious? We're going to do this at the North Pole right before Christmas. Don't you guys have something better to do? Well, I guess if you're going to be filming me, you might as well know who I am. I'm Elmer T. Elf. And it's my job to take and put the gift tags on the, the, the presents. So gift stands for gift identification frequency transmitter. Now, if I took one of those and I put it up here on me, do you think that I would now be gifted? Okay, maybe not. Anyway, so give me a second here. I just got to log on to my computer. Now, if I can only spell my own password. Anyway, so what I'm supposed to do is right before... Or I put these gift tags on so when Santa's going around the world, it makes it really easy for him to deliver these on that big night. Elmer, this is Santa. I'm just checking in with you at this point to be sure that you're not going to mess up the gift tags like you did last year. We had a lot of disappointed children last year, so let's do this right, okay? Oh, no way, no, I, no way, no how would I ever do that. That's, no, that, that had to be somebody else. I'll get it right, Santa, I promise. Thank you, Elmer. Okay, shh. You guys with the cameras, shh. You can't tell any. Turn the cameras off, okay? Red, li red lights mean off. Oh, okay. So whatever you do, don't tell Santa. So here. So what I do when I take these gift tags, I get this list from all around the world. It's all these people and they list who they are, where they live, their address, and what they're wanting to get. So let's see, click. There we go. This is uh, Kirk Nelson. He's in Columbus, Nebraska. He's looking for an industrial-sized box of toilet paper. Wow. I'd like to mess with him, but if you need toilet paper, I guess you need toilet paper. Uh, let's see the next one, Jimmy Thielen. Oh, okay, this one, this is going to be a good one to mess with. He's looking for, well, it says here, a European satchel. I, that's European man bag, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, fashioned from Corinthian leather, hand-sewn by Bavarian monks, with embossed 24 karat gold, Green Bay Packard logo, encrusted with emeralds. Are you serious? Holy cow, talk about materialistic. Can you ask for more? Oh, yeah, ask for more, sure. Here it says, to include the Super Bowl ring display pouch. Holy cow. Well, here's one. Here's another one. Robbie Honkin. He's looking for a Minnesota Viking throw blanket constructed from yak wool. Uh, includes silver lining. Okay, I guess if you're a Viking fan, you certainly need silver lining. And scented with the tears of a thousand heartbroken fans. I bet they're all like that. Okay, to include bladder, ladder blanket goalpost with wide right and wide left hooks. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to do something. I'm going to take these two, and I'm going to take this one, 
I'm going to put over here, and this tag's going over here. That's going to be fun on Christmas. They're going to enjoy that like you wouldn't believe. I've got to think that Robbie's going to love his Green Bay Packer purse, and Jimmy, he's sure going to love that Viking blanket, isn't he? Okay, let's see here. Now we've got Deborah Ann. She's looking for a Fun Fire Series natural gas range oven with six burners, 24-inch raised griddle, broiler, double oven in platinum finish. Holy, really? Deborah, you think that you're going to be able to get one of these on Santa's sleigh? That seems like something you need to get from your husband. You know what you're going to get from Santa? You are going to get, I say this just for special occasions, you're going to get your lump of coal. Oh, man, I, I always love the smell of this. It smells like mischief and shenanigans. Holy cow, it's inspired by GIs in the Korean War, tested, made from the, oh, yeah, that's right. Bigger than traditional lumps of coal, made by humans, not by elves. We elves, we couldn't make this stuff. Anyway, okay, oh, man, look at the time. Oh, my gosh, it's almost lunch, and I was going to get back there, and I needed to put Tabasco sauce in the ketchup, and then I need to loosen the lids on top of the uh, pepper, salt and pepper shakers. I'm running out of time. i got to get there now. Oh, thank you, Elmer, I, th I think. So, Elmer, Elmer the Elf, and... I, th I think the guy had a theme, don't you? The gifts, the gifts, the gifts. And let's trade some tags around. So maybe I don't get what I want, but I got your thing. That gives me a reason to be unhappy and want more stuff. Oh, and I want, you know, I want these things that are, I love the words like platinum plated and Corinthian leather, gold embossing. Encrusted jewels. Things, things, things. Reminds me of Lucy in a Charlie Brown Christmas. Remember Lucy's great line? Presents, 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 presents. Oh, man. So it makes me wonder, oh, Randy, is there a bit of Elmer in you? Probably. Is there a bit of Elmer in you? Probably. We're going to kick off a series to talk about some of these things. The series is called The Blank That Stole Christmas. And we all have kind of a certain idea of what Christmas should look like. This Norman Rockwell slide kind of illustrates it a little bit. You know, there's, there's mom and there's the kids and there's the family beagle and they're all there at the snowy window. And what you can't see outside is Pops has shown up with a brand new Plymouth. Ooh. All that shiny chrome, all that new car smell. Oh, it's Christmas all right. All too often, however, Christmas winds up looking like this guy's frustration. Okay? Yeah. Yeah trying to figure out the lights and get them around the tree and a host of other things that don't really create the perfect Christmas because the perfect Christmas usually comes with a host of frustration. Now, 
many Christmases, they fare far, far, far worse than just a few holiday annoyances like lights or the fruitcake didn't turn out right or you, you lost your grandmother's recipe for your favorite cookies. And, you know, sometimes this time of year that we kind of come into around Thanksgiving and Christmas, rather than small annoyances, we experience the types of things that will shred our emotions. The family fights, the devastating sicknesses, the job loss, the life loss. I mean, you can name your thing. You can plug it in there. Sometimes thinking will tilt towards, well, with all that going on, I could, I could use a strong dose of materialism to ease my holiday pain. So today, we are filling in the blank with the word materialism. We're going to talk about the materialism that stole Christmas. And in this series, we're going to talk candidly about some of the things that frequently steal Christmas, and then we're going to talk about, well, why it doesn't have to be that way, that there just might be an alternative to these topics that are coming up over the next four weeks. This week, we're starting with materialism. Have you ever watched a movie and you thought or said out loud after it was over, that's it? That's all there is? I was hoping this movie would bring me more, would lift me up, would encourage me, would make me laugh, would take me out of my life for just two hours. More. Or the paycheck. Open that up. Oh, that's not enough. I was hoping for more. Or the tax refund. What? I needed more than that. I needed more than that. I was, uh, this was going to be my down payment on a boat. And so the point is, is that oftentimes we're in pursuit of the more. And therein lies the heart of materialism. Materialism. This tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. Well, Jesus has some things to say to you and I about the dangers of materialism, and he has some things to say about how to escape its invasive grip on our lives. So let's begin to just kind of take a look at what Jesus has got to, what he's thinking and what he has to say. Luke 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So here's the context of this statement. Jesus has been teaching his disciples about things like the last days and satanic attacks and confessing Christ in a world where that can oftentimes lead to your persecution, maybe death. So he's, he's instructing the disciples on some heavy-duty topics. But around Jesus and his disciples is this enormous crowd. 
And Luke describes it like this. So many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another. Now, in my mind, that I get images of noise and chaos. And this huge crowd, they're, they're getting tired of waiting for Jesus to wrap up this instruction with his disciples. I mean, his conversation with the disciples is not what this crowd trampling on one another wants to hear. And so, you know, one brave soul pipes up and says, I, I'm going to interrupt this uh, teaching because I've got something on my mind. Because these folks aren't interested in last day satanic attacks or the possibility of persecution. They've got everyday matters on their mind, one of which is, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So, a little sidebar. The statement, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me, points to the law of primogeniture. This is a system of inheritance or succession of the firstborn child, especially the eldest son. Primogeniture law historically determined that the firstborn son, among all of the couple's children, would inherit the parent's entire estate upon their deaths. So this guy's older brother is not dividing up the family fortune like, you know, this fellow thought that he should or that he wants. And so he sees this opportunity. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'd, I'd like for you to arbitrate this dispute. I want you to make this right. Tell my brother to do the right thing. Be the executor of our parents' estate. I've, I've not had to do the, the role of executor of an estate. Perhaps some of you have, and it may have gone well. The stories I've heard from people, sometimes they're not very pleasant because the executor finds himself or herself in this role of, ah, I've got to please everyone. Well, how well does that work ever? pleasing everyone. It doesn't. And Jesus is not at all interested in arbitrating a dispute and trying to unravel this guy's angst about, you know, the, the estate. So he replies to this guy, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? He doesn't take the case. I mean, that's certainly not a statement that says, well, come over here, let's, let's figure it out. You know, go get your brother and we'll see what we can do. Mm -mm. Who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? He doesn't take the case. But what's important is why he doesn't take the case. So in Luke 12, 15, he, he, he said to them, and my image is that he said the first thing to the guy, and then he says to the crowd, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Hmm. Like only Jesus can do with this laser focus, he sees into our hearts. He gets way below the waterline, and he sees the real stuff that's in me and in you and in this person that is in this crowd. He sees 
greed. He sees materialism. I want what's mine. I want my stuff. Well, fullness of life could be set up like a simple um, equation. Fullness of life equals abundance of X. So this could be a way to think about how materialism works. And if I'm remembering my high school algebra correctly, the goal here is to solve for X. What is that? To complete the equation. But this fullness of life equals an abundance of X. This makes materialism kind of some tricky waters to navigate because you can fill in that X with just about anything. But what does Jesus say about this? Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. So let's say, for the purposes of this message, that you know we've picked these four things. Maybe this X, we could solve it for money. Or the X could be career. Or the X could be travel. Or the X could be family. Those really don't sound all that bad, do they? I mean, they, to me, they sound like good things. I'm, and I'm kind of wondering, well, how is it that these seemingly good things could be all kinds of greed? Isn't this a, isn't this a list that if we framed it differently, we could say, these are rich blessings from God? And indeed they are. But do you think that it's possible that even good things used wrongly can go in the spot of X? And then they, they become the things we try to fill up our life with. Now, it's probably unique to each one of us, but maybe it's, it's the when and the how that we violate the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. I'm just thinking that maybe we can make those four things or any things in our lives an idol and plug them in there and hope that they will give us fullness of life. So one of the takeaways from this message is this. It's, it's the answering of the question. What value for X makes life work the way it is supposed to? What value for X makes life work the way it is supposed to? Is it money? Is it travel? Is it vacations? Is it career? Is it something else? As you might expect, Jesus has a word or two to say about this. Let's take a look at Luke 12, 16 through 20. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years to come. Take life easy. Eat. Drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. 
this very night your life will be demanded from you, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is a parable that's just steeped in tragedy. You've heard perhaps of rags to riches stories or riches to rags stories. Well, this one is a riches to repose story. You know, this guy's life goes from riches to death. And there's no opportunity. There's no opportunity to enjoy the big barns full of grain. There's no, there is no long season of eating and drinking and merrymaking. And that's what makes the story so tragic. This guy finally makes it, strikes it big, strikes it rich, then he loses it all. This man had nothing, and he lost it all to death. There it is. Change in technology. The guy who built the big barns got him built, got him packed full of grain, and then he died. So when someone dies, they lose their family. When someone dies, they lose their future. They lose their impact. I would be one that would say, yes, that's, that's a loss and it's tragic. But then Jesus takes this perspective we have on tragedy and, and, he, and he flips the understanding on it. And so what he says then in Luke 12, 21 is this, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. This is how it will be. For Jesus, the tragedy with this uh, story is not, is not the fact that this guy had this great gain and then lost it. That's, that's not the tragedy as Jesus sees it. The tragedy is what he never had to begin with. This man was not rich toward God. And that's what we want to focus on for the rest of this message. How, how do we practice this, being rich toward God? There might be an objection that comes up. Well, being rich toward God, that sounds really good, theoretically. But practically speaking, not so realistic. Because it's the Christmas season, I still have, I got stuff to buy. I've got bills to pay. I'm feeling a little bit of stress financially, and I don't have big barns. I understand that, but here's what Jesus understands it, but he's not interested in giving us a financial plan. He's interested in giving us perspective, a perspective that will point us toward what it means to be rich towards God. So let's take a few minutes and unpack what that might look like. So three thoughts of being rich towards God. The first one, live without worry. The man in Jesus' parable was not worried. He'd had a bumper crop year, and he thought he was going to be able to just kick back, just chill, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But his perfectly planned future 
really revealed just how foolish he was. I mean, if we have nothing to worry about because we've so perfectly planned our future, well, maybe we should be worried because as you saw in the parable, that can just get flipped on its head like that. On the other hand, if we feel like we have everything to worry about because we can't get the future figured out, well then, we shouldn't be worried because freedom from worry doesn't come from perfect plans. It doesn't come with obsessive worrying. You know, oh, if I worry enough, I can eliminate worry from my life. I'm pretty sure. Well, freedom from worry is possible only because it is anchored in a perfect God. Would you agree? Freedom from worry is possible only because it is anchored in a perfect God. So Jesus had some things to say on this subject, not surprisingly. Matthew 6, 25 through 27. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Let's consider the second thing about being rich toward God. The first was live without worry. The second one is live beyond yourself. The man in Jesus' parable, again, amazing bounty. But he just keeps it all for himself. He spends this whole parable talking about no one but himself. Verse 17 in this 12th chapter of Luke. He thought to himself... Verse 19, and I'll say to myself, he gets so wrapped up in himself that he has no plan beyond himself. So his barns are not only useless to him, they're useless to others as well. So perhaps we need to think about practicing this discipline of looking and living beyond ourselves. I don't, I don't really know what I have until I've taken the time, took advantage of the opportunity to look at what somebody else does not have. And then I need to be open to how God wants to use me in meeting those particular needs of that other person. That's perspective. That's a new perspective. So in considering what it means to live beyond yourself, Matthew 9, 36 has this to say. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I propose that there's a, there's a model of living here that we can replicate, that, that living beyond ourselves is somehow wrapped up in looking at the other person through eyes of compassion. I mean, you see how Jesus did this, yeah? He took the time to see what we didn't have 
And he chose to live so far beyond himself that he laid down his life for all of us sheep. And when we do the same, there's that movement towards being rich toward God. Well, there's a third thing about being rich toward God. Live for Christ. Live without worry. Live beyond yourself. Live for Christ. Not only does the rich man never mention other people, he never mentions God. Now, it's, it's likely that he's a Jewish fellow. And so eat, drink, and be merry could be something he'd be familiar with. It's a quotation from Ecclesiastes 8.15. And if this guy knew the Hebrew scriptures, he probably bumped into that verse. So let's just say it, that he knew his Bible. He knew his scriptures, but it didn't seem to have a lot of effect on him. I mean, a lot of us have this problem. I know I do. Um, you know, I, you know, I know the Bible. I've been, a, I've been a reader and studier of the Bible for 40 some years. And a lot of you have exceeded that. And some of you are on the other side of that, but we spent time in the Bible. The question for me is, is the Bible changing me? Is the Bible changing me? Is, is, it, is it radically impacting how I view things like money and relationships and life and, 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 and? We could build a very long list. So the guy in the barn story, well, he's got his finances all worked out. But he has no clue about the bigger picture. So consider these next two verses, which are part of the bigger picture. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. And then Proverbs 11.4. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. That's, that's bigger picture thinking, and Jesus would like for us to think that way. This leads us to the answer of the equation. You probably got there long before I got here on my message. X equals Jesus. X equals Jesus. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So when we solve the equation so that X equals Jesus, that is a right perspective. We can be rich toward God. We can know what it is to live without worry. We can live beyond ourselves. And we can live for Jesus. We can live a life where we know grace and peace and abundance. And living this way allows us to live not with a materialistic mindset, but with a peace. A peace knowing that what we have been given it will be enough. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the truth of Scripture. Thank you that you dig deep into our hearts and minds and that you know us and you, you know that for us to live fully, we need to live being rich toward you. Help us to do that in, in the mundane things of the, of the lives we live day in and day out. Help us to find out what it is to be rich toward you and to live that way. Amen. The Apostles' Creed is a beautiful summary 
of the Christian faith. And so let's just take a few minutes here and, and say this together out loud. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. I believe he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let me offer you a blessing before the last song comes on. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you his unrelenting, enormous peace. Amen. Would you please rise for our last song? Yeah.